Welcome to the Homeschool Loftcast, a podcast presented by the Homeschool Loft in De Pere, Wisconsin. Our goal at the Loft is to encourage parents who educate their children at home and let them know that they are both called to and empowered for the task of home-based education. At the Loft itself, we offer one-on-one consultations, book clubs and discussion groups, workshops and seminars, and a curriculum viewing library. Through the Loftcast, we extend our reach to encourage and bless homeschooling parents everywhere. And today we welcome Joel Kramer. We're really extending our reach because he's coming to us from Amman, Jordan, <laughs> like in the Middle East. And um, he and his wife have three children whom they have homeschooled. Um, two are graduated. One is currently high school age, and we'll hear more about that as we, we get into it. Joel is the author of a book called Where God Came Down, The Archaeological Evidence. And he's the owner of a website called Expedition Bible, through which he organizes in-person trips to the Holy Land. We learned about Joel from Jenny's son, Noah, and we are so excited to talk with him today. Welcome, Joel. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Joel, tell us about your growing up years first. You actually grew up in the Middle East. Yes. I, yes. <laughs> I was very young. I don't know, maybe six years old or something when uh, my family moved to Saudi Arabia. My dad took a job with the oil company there. Mm-hmm. So that's where I grew up. Um, my parents moved back to the States when I was in college. And um, and so, yeah, that kind of got me into all of it. My um, My dad bought a four-wheel drive vehicle and we spent a lot of time as a family out exploring and camping in the desert. And that's where I really fell in love with, uh, with artifacts and looking for artifacts and trying to understand them and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Wow. You weren't homeschooled, but that was just what you were doing on the side. Uh, yeah, I, I, I went to a school over there and, um, and they didn't really have homeschooling back then, or at least my parents weren't aware of it. So, um, yeah. Wow. And all the while here we are in Green Bay, Wisconsin. How in the world is that a thing? (laughs) Yeah. Was it weird being a Westerner in Saudi Arabia at that time? You know, I mean, I was such a a young, I was so young when I went over there. I just didn't really know anything else. So, so I've, I've lived in the Middle East now 28 years. And so it seems very normal to me. I had to, had to kind of trick my wife um, into, into moving over here and uh you know that whole thing where the you put the frog in water and turn up the heat very slowly that's that's kind of <laughs> kind of in a nutshell how i did it where is she from she is from mississippi and louisiana area, oh my so, goodness wow yeah that's a big cultural shift for her then yeah. right <laughs> yeah it took a little while and, and our kids were very young when we moved over our youngest was a year old and we had a two-year-old and a four-year-old and so she so their experience, yeah, yeah, their experience is kind of like yours in the sense that your your life in Jordan is all they've ever known. So it seems normal to them. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, my older kids are now making the adjustment of going to school, going to college in, in America. And so, you know, I, like I tell them, that's the good culture shock. You know, yeah. the food is great. The driving's <laughs> easy. This is the wonderful. This is the wonderful direction to go, you know, yeah. so. Yeah. 
Have you ever heard of a book called Third Culture Kids? Um, it just popped into my head because I, I read it with a group of ladies here a couple of years ago because my older daughter, uh, who's now 21, pre-COVID thought she was going to be a missionary and thought it was going to be in Japan. And so I was in this study group um, with these moms um, and I can't remember the author, but it's all about... Um, when you are, maybe not for you, but for your wife, because you grew up in the Middle East, but you know, so your wife is Western culture, your kids have this Middle Eastern cultural thing, and then they come back. So they're kind of neither. Uh, and the book is fascinating. It's all about how to help as parents, your kids adjust because they, they kind of have both cultures, but no culture. <laughs> yeah, actually, we, um, there was a small co-op, co-op going on here that we were involved in. And they kept talking about, I think they call them PKs. Um, and we were in a meeting and they kept talking about that. And I finally had to lean over to my wife and go, what, what, what is a, what is a TK? <laughs> Your so, children. <laughs> yeah, and me. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So. Yeah, it's so, a fascinating anyways. book. If if you ever if you guys want to get it at some point, as your kids are here uh, now in America and adjusting, and you're still over there, it might help. So. Oh yeah, I'm sure my wife has read it. Um, yeah, probably. So, but you didn't stay in the Middle East because, as I read on your website uh, in getting ready to talk to you today, you had um, a post college expedition in New Guinea. Yes. Tell us about that. Yeah, that was back in my uh, more ignorant days and, <laughs> and uh, my, my more, uh, you know, when I thought I was immortal and that kind of thing. But yeah, it, yeah. it had always been a dream of mine for whatever reason um, to do an expedition, which means you're doing something that either hasn't been done or, or is very difficult to do. And so uh, I got it in my mind to try to be the first uh, to, to cross the island of New Guinea without mm -hmm. motors. And so I got a friend of mine to go with me and the two of us set out and yeah, it ended up being a once in a lifetime trip, a once in a lifetime trip. <laughs> uh, so wait, North, South or East, West? Uh, North, South. Okay. Yep. <laughs> I mean, that's and bad enough. I, but <laughs> and then that was my first book. I wrote a book about that and, wow. um, and it's called uh, beyond fear, a journey across New Guinea. We'll link it. And yeah, so that was, that was many years ago, but, um, Wowzers. you know, now, now with what we're doing with expedition Bible, that's kind of where the expedition part of that came from. Um, God called me out of that. I was doing photojournalism after that and, and, uh, you know, writing freelancing for, uh, magazines, outdoor magazines and adventure magazines and stuff like that. And then God called me into the ministry um, yeah. from doing that. And what I was having you? a good time. I, I really yeah. didn't want to go, you know, shut the whole thing down. <laughs> and the next thing, you know, what led you after that to become a pastor and well, where? <laughs> yeah, I was in a, uh, in a little town called Brigham city uh, in Utah, just North of Salt Lake, 50 miles North. It's a, uh, I don't know what the percentage is, but extremely high percentage of Mormons. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, uh, and so I was, I was there, my, my parents had moved there from the middle East cause my dad took a job in a company near there. Mm -hmm. So I met my wife to be, um, actually I met her the day after I got back from New Guinea. I, I first mm -hmm. woman I saw that's enough. Of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get married. Oh, gosh, <laughs> you were supposed to come back or you'd have missed her that day. So, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> 
so anyways, uh, yeah. So, um, I, I moved to, I lived in Arizona at the time, but I moved to Utah to date her. And, um, then we got married and never could really figure out a reason to leave. And there was a small church there that, um, that hadn't had a pastor for five and a half years. Mm -hmm. And they asked me to start doing some teaching. And, uh, so I did some teaching and they started calling me pastor and I was like, don't call me that. You yeah. know? <laughs> and, uh, and next thing I knew I was the pastor, I was a lay pastor. I didn't really plan for it or train for it or anything like that. And so in Brigham city, Utah, there's not very much to do, um, <laughs> except try to reach Mormons. <laughs> so, yeah. so I, I started doing that in media, uh, ministry, um, specifically and, started making videos, DNA versus the Book of Mormon, the Bible versus the Book of Mormon, Joseph Smith um, versus the Book of Mormon. And I put verses in there. Some people don't like that, but <laughs> I put verses in there because Mormons are trained that Christians are always trying to trick them. Um, and I didn't want, I didn't want uh, Mormons to feel tricked. I didn't want them to think that the DVD that they'd gotten or were going to watch um, was was pro-Mormon and then they, they uh, realize it's not. And so therefore they, uh, you know, so that, that was the reason behind that. And it was just, uh, I think it was a strong thing for me that I didn't come from a Mormon background myself. So I didn't mm -hmm. have a chip on my shoulder or, or oh, that yeah. kind of thing. And so, um, hopefully they came out, uh, gentle and kind and, and they've been, they, they, they are what, um, really, brought us over to the Middle East again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I want to jump into that in a minute, but um, it's, a, I don't know if you're aware of this, but it's a somewhat controversial um, topic here among homeschoolers in America. Uh, the idea that Mormons are Christians. Uh, of course, Jenny and I know that they're not right. Um, but it's a really controversial thing because a couple of really big name curriculum providers, I won't name them, but the authors are Mormon. And one of them in particular is convinced that as a Mormon, she is a Christian. Not sure about the other one, if he understands that he's not a Christian as a Mormon. Um, just for our listeners, because it's very confusing for the average homeschooler when they hear this and they use these curriculum things. Can you give us a nutshell just a couple of points of how is Mormonism not Christian? Yeah. If you, if you read the original teachings and, and, uh, and you know, what Joseph Smith was teaching and uh, it's, it's very clear <laughs> just how yeah. uh, unchristian it is. Mm. Um, the whole thing about um, claiming to be a Christian is, is something that the Mormon, a tactic that the Mormon church took on over time to try to, um, disguise themselves so that they didn't stand out. And so, uh, so that they weren't defended against and, and that kind of thing. And so, uh, you know, the, the Joseph Smith and Brigham Young, they would have been appalled at, uh, at the concept of being considered Christian because the whole thing that they were doing was saying that Christianity, uh, had this problem that the Bible was corrupt and, uh, and now restored through Joseph Smith. And so it was, not only it was considered very different from its beginning from Christianity. And, uh, and of course the thing that confuses people is you have the same terminology because Joseph Smith was using the Bible and influenced by the Bible. And so you have the same terminology, you have Jesus and gospel and mm -hmm. salvation and, um, and all these, uh, same terms, but 
what is meant by that is completely different. The mm-hmm. theology behind it all is completely different. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's a big problem. And, yeah. um, and, and people just take things at face value. Right. And so they, it's especially, I mean, that's where it gets so terrifying is the fact that these curriculum providers that don't know that haven't done the research yeah. and maybe some of them have, <laughs> Yeah, but you know what I mean? People just jump on board because they want to use the curriculum. And so it's that underneath layer that, I mean, all these ideas are getting passed down to their children without even really knowing because no one's done the research of it, you know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and, you know, the interesting thing for me is I started dealing with Mormons in regards to evidence, Mm -hmm. because with theology, you can go round and round in circles. You can say, well, this isn't in the Bible. And they are thinking, well, of course not, because the Bible is corrupted and therefore restored, see, by... Joseph Smith. And so to deal with, with evidence worked really well because, um, that is, that's what we have in the Bible. The Bible is history. And therefore we have archeology span and, and we have, we have actual ancient languages that you can study and learn. And, and you don't have any of that. You don't have uh, the geography or any of the cities or any of the places known from the book of Mormon, because of course it's, it's not historical and it's, it's made (laughs) up. And so, And so, yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of the way I started dealing with them that then led to going over to Israel and um, and then uh, doing more of that. Yeah. So tell us about that so we can segue back to that. You know, your experience working with Mormons led you away from them <laughs> back to the Middle East. Yeah. yeah the, um, we, we, I did a video called um, The Bible Versus the Book of Mormon. And it was comparing uh, the the archaeology with the Bible to the lack thereof in the Book of Mormon. And so to do that, I traveled to um, places in the Americas and then uh, to Israel. And that was a huge, um, it went out, I mean, like 500,000 copies of that went out and whatnot. And so it was effective. So I was thinking, well, why not do more of this, you know, if it's effective? So six months after I traveled to Israel to do that video, um, I moved my family to uh, over to Israel, and uh, that was 2007. And uh, so we lived there for 10 years. Um, I enrolled in a school over there and studied archaeology for the 10 years that we were there. Mm. And then um, at the end of that time, I, I ran out of a visa option. And so we moved across the Jordan River to uh, Amman, Jordan, and we've lived here for over five years now. How did your book, Where God Came Down, come out of that time? Um, Well, you know, I I mean, I studied for a long time and I was making videos um, primarily. And um, and then I kind of then I I kind of uh, made a change there where I started working on books and doing Mm -hmm. more still photography than videography. And I, I, you know, I was trying to do something more maybe sustainable than, uh, than video. So Mm -hmm. I focused on that and produced the book. It took a long time, honestly, (laughs) because, you know, the (laughs) learning curve, the learning curve on all of it is quite extreme, not just the side of learning about the, um, the country itself and the, and the sites and the archeology, span but then also on the side of uh, how do you go about writing a book and and producing the book and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. And I love, I mean, the book is written for all of us. 
you don't have to, you know, it just, it's not, it's not a hard read. It's just filled with information and just whets your whole appetite to open up the Bible and look at this again. You know, I mean, it's, and it's beautiful. I mean, our our listeners need to, to purchase it because it's got beautiful Beautiful. photographs as well as the information. And you were telling us before we started recording that your son was actually pretty instrumental in getting the, um, the information or the pictures uh, into the book. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell that in a second. But but one thing, thank you for those compliments. But one thing I should mention is um, I have dyslexia. And so I struggled in school and swore I would never go to school after college. And then I ended up in <laughs> graduate school for 10 years. Um, but wow. it's, it's because of that. It's be, I'm a very visual person and it takes me maybe longer than most people to really understand something and really digest it. But I have to break it down and to understand it. And then once I do understand it, then I can um, explain it to somebody else. So that's why the book is uh, so visual. And one of my three kids um, was blessed with dyslexia too. So uh, well, this <laughs> is daughters. such good news, moms and dads, listeners. Yeah. So many yeah. times, right. We, and we, and we do hear this a lot because reading is always the main thing. I, I feel like <clears throat> when people are new to homeschooling, it's the first thing. Well, it's not you got math, you got all those things, but reading, <laughs> right? How they're never going to read. They're never going to read in dyslexia. And how is this going to, but you guys listen to this. You have got to get yourself a copy of this book. So you can see what we're talking about, because when God has a plan for your life, he has a plan. End of the story. Nothing can stop it. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the truth is, the truth is I didn't read when I was a kid, but, um, once, once I realized what I was interested in, you know, um, then I, now I'm, I'm a ferocious reader and have been for many years. And I kid with my wife all the time because she's always reading these wonderful books that are, you know, that are so popular and everything like that. And, and, and I'm always torturing myself by reading, you know, the secular take on such and such (laughs) position. And so, (laughs) so yeah, it's, uh, it's quite different, but yeah, it's, it's good. It's, that uh, is so good. That, that what you said there, you know, when you had an Love interest, that. then the desire to figure out how to do it came, didn't it? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I had the choice of when I went to school, am I going to study ancient language yes. or am I going to, um, and I thought, you know, I'm going to go dig a hole. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> going to go study ancient yeah. language. Unfortunately, it turned out that you have to study ancient language, even when you, yeah dig a hole. But anyways, it's not as extensive as if you're studying it, you know, focusing on it, but yeah. Well, and that's just, you know, it's that passion thing. I mean, we say this even about Noah, there's, there's people that have went to college to do the things that Noah does, but I'm telling you what his love of history and his passion in podcasting and all this, it really was him. It's his thing, absolutely. you know, and I see, and so he taught himself and we were blown out of the water, but that's it. God puts something in all of us. And when we as homeschooling parents can create that atmosphere of learning and a buffet of all different things, boom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I so agree. tell us how you involved your son. And this is I yes. think part of his homeschooling, right? Love this. Uh, with the book. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so one thing that I really wanted to do was take aerial photographs um, and and video because you know you can just you can just explain things so much better if you have a bird's eye view of it. So 
So pretty early on when the drone scene started, um, I got a drone and back then, you know, they were big and bulky and, <laughs> and I, I, I wanted to take my big, you know, fancy camera up in the sky and get really good photographs because still photography for archeology span is really important. So anyways, um, so I, I really stepped out in faith and bought a really expensive, um, drone that could do that. And then I, um, had to get in into Israel. And then, uh, then it needed two people. Um, <laughs> one person had to fly the drone and then the other had to work the camera. Of course, I was the one to work the camera. And so, um, my son, which he wasn't always very excited about <laughs> was, was the one who flew the drone. And, uh, I never forget the guy who sold it to us. And, he, uh, you know, he's going to help show how you fly it and everything. And he handed me the the remote control and I handed it over to this little kid, you know, standing next to me. And he was horrified, you know, because yeah. you're talking very, very expensive and the camera yeah. on it's very expensive. Yeah. So for the next several years, I knew there would only be a window of time, you know, that you could do this kind of work um, before the laws came in and before they closed the whole thing down. Like you can't fly a drone in, in Jerusalem anymore. Oh, So, um, so I knew there was a window of time. So for about three years, we, uh, we traveled all over, the country to all these different sites. We also, I also volunteered to take um, pictures for uh, a lot of the digs that were going on. Mm -hmm. And of course the digs that I was participating in. And so I did a lot of photography for um, archeologists without charging them and got to know them and got to know uh, their, their digs. And, and my son got that whole experience of going around to these sites and meeting mm -hmm. all these archeologists and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, contributing something, meaningful to, uh, their projects and their work. And so it just, it really ended up being a great thing. And then one day the, um, uh, Israeli defense, um, force you know, took, took our, uh, took our drone out. So, oh. um, and, but you know, it, it was time, it was, uh, it was time to do something else. And so it wasn't a big tragedy, but we knew it was not a matter of if it was a matter of when. <laughs> is, <laughs> is that so, why? Because a, a defense thing for the Israeli government? Yeah, what they did is they uh, they developed a system for that they can take control of your drone, and so that's what oh. they do now. They take control okay. of your drone and then they fly it in our case into the ground and that kind of oh. thing. Oh my goodness! Well, you yeah. guys, here's where I I am flipping through Joel's book right now. And I'm currently looking at an aerial view of the city of David from the, am I going to pronounce this right? Siloam pool. Is that right? Yeah. Siloam pool. Yeah. Siloam pool. Unexcavated at the bottom point, looking up the hill to the temple mount. Now here's what I want you to know. We always talk about this passion led learning. You guys, what I just read this, this is a rich a rich education more than any textbook could ever give mm -hmm. that Joel's children, right? His son was able to do this. We talk about this all the time. And I know it's hard because when we come from the public school system, we feel like that's, we have to be sitting down to learn. We, we can only learn from the textbook, but this it's incredible. And I encourage you to purchase this book and really sit down with your kiddos, show them this. How many kids do you hear about that, that are so interested in archaeology, but don't know much about it, right? They don't know it or they're getting the, the worldly view of it, Yeah, you know, just not, yeah. you know, so. 
Well, that, and-, and that's, that's really what kills their passion. A lot of kids, like you just said, um, are real passionate about these kinds of things when they're young. And then yeah. if they get that worldly view, it just, you know, if they, yeah. it just crushes it out of them, they yeah, or, start accepting it at all. And, or parents yeah. really don't know how to tie it in. Right. They'll yeah. say, well, he's, you know, he's, he's seven and he's just really on fire for archeology, span but it's, it's like this popcorn dream in the parent's mind. Well, what are they going to do with that? Dinosaur bones in the backyard, like, but you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he bury coins exactly. and he he digs them up. <laughs> but, but looking at this, I mean, Joel, you have such a platform to be able to just speak into these parents, and I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. So yeah, how, how how do you think that your book can actually help Christian parents um, to develop a biblical worldview for their kiddos? Well, I mean, that is really uh, central to. Um, what I'm hoping to be effective in, you know, um, because as we all know, if you don't reach the, the young people, then you don't have impact. And so, you know, I deal on the scholarship level, I deal with people all the time. I went to school and studied under secular scholars. And so I know that whole part really well. And, um, and so the ones to really, um, teach are the ones who, um, are still, I, I believe, willing to listen. And those are the young kids that are in these families that, um, believe. And as far as, you know, that's the confusing thing about biblical archeology, span biblical archeology span sounds, um, very positive. It sounds like mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, for the Bible, but, but what we, but, but what parents need to understand is, um, like other fields, related fields, biblical archaeology is a secular field yeah. and therefore is dominated by um, by secular archaeologists. And so um, it really is a situation you shouldn't believe anything <laughs> that an <laughs> archaeologist tells you unless um, unless, you know, you test it against uh, the Bible and see that it stands that test. And uh yeah. And you talk about so that, that in your book a little bit, just how it's, it really is from that secular view and how you can, you know. Absolutely. I mean, what the, the God says in his word that, um, that you're blind if you don't understand, you know, who he is and, and what he's telling us through, uh, through the Bible. And so um, the same is true for archaeology. How can you understand what you're finding in the ground? How do you understand the ancient past unless you unless you take his word seriously and use it in order to um, understand the past and, and the present and the future, (laughs) you know? And so, and they used to do that. They used to do that more. Um, more, A lot of books that I read are from the early days of archeology span back in the 1800s and the 1900s. If I've got a, if I'm studying a site and that site's been excavated in the 1800s and it's been excavated in, and, 2010. Oh man, I'm, I'm reading the one from the 1800s because, uh, back then they, they really, um, used the Bible and their archeology, span what they dug out of the ground. They, um, they, they found the meaning for that. They interpreted it using the Bible. And now it's, it's very much the opposite. I mean, if you do that, then you get blackballed and all this kind of stuff. And so, yeah, yeah, it's, it's really, uh, academics in general, as you know, are very hostile towards the Christian position and biblical archaeology, though it sounds 
um, very friendly towards the Bible is not. It's it's very hostile towards the Bible. Yeah, it almost seems like they want to use archaeology to disprove the Bible most of the time, right? Exactly. Yeah, the the um, archaeology is used to test um, the Bible. Is the Bible reliable? Look at the archaeology. Uh, how about the opposite question? Is archaeology reliable using <laughs> yeah. the Bible? And, yes. You know, yeah. maybe maybe if there's a contradiction between what an archaeologist says and the Bible says, maybe it's the archaeologist that's wrong. Yeah. You know, you think? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So. So, yeah, that's where I come from. I come from, uh, uh, you know, not only am I an archaeologist involved in archaeology um, as as a Bible believer, but really I come from the position of inerrancy of scripture and um, and, you know, therefore I have a bad uh, reputation amongst uh, secular scholars that I know, <laughs> but um, that just comes with the territory. Yep. Uh, but that's what, uh, that's what I would say to parents is they, their kids need to be taught these different fields, including history and archeology span from um, the perspective of inerrancy of scripture. Now that doesn't mean that you're right. You still might get things wrong and yeah. you still might not understand certain things and make certain mistakes, but, um, but you're coming at it from, uh, from the understanding that we are sitting at God's feet and he is the one who is teaching us because we don't know what happened in the past. We need him right. to tell us. Yes, and absolutely. so, absolutely. And so, um, this is your first book, but it's supposed to be part of a series, right? Yes. And um, what are the other books going to be about? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Hurry up, write it, write it. <laughs> yeah. Get that drone up there. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, it was well, shot down, Jenny, remember? It was shot down, you guys. <laughs> well, I have, I have other ones, as you, you can see from my YouTube videos. But yes, anyways, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the, when I finished that book and put it out, um, the problem is that I live in the Middle East, right, for, uh, yeah. for many years, and nobody knows who I am because of that. <laughs> And so nobody knows about this book and everything like that. So the idea was, okay, well, if I, if I write another book right now, then I'll be putting it out to the same small group of people that know who I am. Yeah. So, so let's, let's take some time here and let's um, do and develop a YouTube channel to, um, to kind of, you know, bring some of these issues out and make uh, videos about them and, and hopefully get, some interest from people so that when the next book comes out, hopefully they'll, there'll be more people that are aware that it's out and, and that kind of thing. And so that's kind of what we're working on now is, is a YouTube channel. Yeah. And, well, uh, and tell us a little bit more about that because so we're taping in uh, end of June ish of 2022 and a couple of your videos just went viral this last couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the um, channel is called expedition Bible. And, um, we, I just released today, um, the 11th, um, video. So it's been only up for 11 weeks and, um, and yeah, it's been, it, it was, well, I don't know how to judge it really. Cause I, I brand new at all this, but, um, but it kind of seemed slow for the first four or five, six weeks. And then all of a sudden it took off. And so we've been getting lots of views and lots of interest and, uh, and that kind of thing. And so that, that's great. Um, and it fits what I do really, really well because I travel a lot and I'm studying a whole bunch of different sites. And so it allows me to 
you know, I have these massive archives of all the stuff that I've shot over the years that I don't really, I'm not able to utilize. You only utilize a small sliver of it for a book. And, um, so this is kind of a way to, to get some of those shots out and, and show people. So for example, I've got a video out on, uh, Babylon. So I've, Mm. I've went to Babylon or to Iraq, the, um, uh, on two different trips, um, recently. And so I've been getting to know those sites, um, Nineveh and Mm -hmm. Babylon and Ur and those kinds of sites. And so, so yeah, so this gives me, I go and of course I video there and I, um, do all kinds of things there. And so this gives me an outlet that I can quickly turn around. And as I learn about a site, I can turn around and teach somebody else, um, as well. Yeah. That's just phenomenal. That is so cool. So Joel, today you're still in the Middle East in Jordan, as we mentioned, and your wife and you are homeschooling your three children there. Two are graduated though. Yep. But two are graduated. Yes. What is homeschooling like in Jordan? Are there any particular challenges or blessings from being there? I mean, obviously (laughs) (laughs) tell us all. Yeah, actually, um, we, we homeschooled both in Israel Mm. and in Jordan and, uh, and, and so I would say, I would say that, um, both of both Israel and Jordan, there was a, a co-op, you know, that was going on, which was really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, um, but Jordan has my kids, I prefer living in Israel personally. Mm. Um, but my, my kids prefer, they prefer living here. And, um, the reason why is because, um, the visa situation is very difficult in Israel. Uh-huh. And so it's hard to stay there uh, for any kind of long period of time. So anytime my kids made friends, you know, and that kind of thing, then it was uh, usually short order before they had to leave or, or this kind of thing. Whereas yeah. people um, are on more of a uh, stabler visa here. Okay. And so, um, and so, yeah, they, their friends, you know, they, they, their friends are around long-term. And so that's really helpful yeah. for them. But yeah, the, the um, actual homeschooling was about the same in both places. And, uh, and the co-op has been really instrumental and, uh, you know, gives them, gives them where they can get together with their friends and, and yeah. things like that and study some things together. So, yeah, I was just at the co-op, I don't know, maybe, a month ago, I guess it was. And, uh, so I had these sulfur balls. I did a video also <laughs> on this for YouTube, but the sulfur balls. So I, I went to the co-op with the kids there and we were burning sulfur balls and we were burning <laughs> them and dropping them in water to see how they were, um, you know, how they went out and sank down to the bottom, which is how they're preserved in the dead sea and, you know, going wow. through all that stuff. So then we all smell like sulfur. That's your dad thing. Do you feel like that would be a mom thing? Would moms be out there burning sulfur balls? (laughs) (laughs) Not this mom. No, no. Yeah. Uh, Joel, is it legal for Israelis and Jordanians to homeschool or is it mostly an expat thing? Um, it's, it's, it's more of an expat thing. It's, it's illegal in Israel. I don't, I don't know for sure if it's illegal or not in Jordan, but, um, but it's, it's, it's not common. That's for sure. And, uh, but in Israel, yeah, I mean, you know, I was in school myself the whole time that we were in Israel and my professors and, you know, uh-huh. they were, they were horrified that, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. that we were homeschooling. Oh yeah. And, uh, but, oh, yeah. 
but every time they were around my kids, they were real impressed, you know, that, uh, that they could relate to them and and that kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah. The kids always shine so bright, don't they? Yeah. It's funny because you get those naysayers and this just goes to prove that it doesn't matter where you're from. It's always that say, doesn't matter what country you're in. It's that saying you're, oh, your kids are homeschooled. It's a little concerning until the kids shine bright. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. Um, as a dad burning sulfur balls, so, okay. <laughs> what advice do you have for homeschooling dads in particular that translates no matter where their families live? Well, that's a good question. You know, I think I, I'm probably like uh, many homeschool dads, um, you know, as as my kids are graduated and my um, youngest is uh, in high school, I kind of look back and, and say, gosh, I wish I'd have done more of this or more of that, you know, mm-hmm. and less of this and that. And and so but um, but for me, I guess what I would say is, uh, you know, I don't I don't know how to translate it exactly to dads living in America. But um, but for me, I felt like my role in the homeschooling was to teach the Bible yeah. and um, and to teach uh how it fits with reality. You know, uh, it's not for me, it was never about um, history and archaeology being used for apologetics, even though that's, that's great to use it that way and everything like that. All this stuff isn't, isn't laying around because uh, we can use it for apologetics It's it's laying around because all these things really happened. And therefore, Mm -hmm. these things were left behind. And Mm -hmm. so the the thing is, is I think that we, um, as dads, maybe especially, we, we don't realize, and this was a big thing for me, we, because we live in a very secular world and we, mm-hmm. we hear that secular worldview all the time, um, yeah. we don't really realize how secular we actually are in our thinking and, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and, and whatnot. And so for me, it was, it was really coming to terms with that and really questioning things that, that I had um, kind of been influenced by and, and mm. over the years and, and asking, does that really make sense? And then really, uh, changing, um, a lot. And, uh, and just the understanding that, you know, like people ask, people ask all the time, um, you know, is there archeological evidence for the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. as if, as if there's just a little bit, yeah, you know? <laughs> right. there's just a little bit. Yeah. And, um, and so, maybe you could tell me one thing that would be really, wow. that would be really encouraging. <laughs> mm-hmm. Can you tell mm-hmm. me one thing or three things? Yeah. Um, well, when the reality is that it's like, uh, the, the, the evidence for the Bible is like an ocean. I mean, yeah. it's, it's everywhere. Yeah. I've been living in Israel and Jordan for over 15 years and I, I've just barely licked the surface. You can't, you can't mm. just like you can't master the Bible. You can't master the yes. land of the Bible. You, right. you can't you can't see it all. You can't excavate yep. it all. You can't take. And so it's kind of like asking uh, a, a Christian, you know, what what is the evidence for creation? Right. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you're surrounded by it. You're in the yeah. middle of it. And that's the way it is over here. It, everywhere. There's biblical cities everywhere. Uh. And um, there are sites everywhere. There's excavations going on all over the place. And the only problem really is, is that these excavations and finds are often interpreted by people who, that are coming from a secular world. Yeah. So you get this godless yes. explanation that is 
that is uh, confusing and mm. discouraging. And so for me, it's really been about um, grounding my kids in the understanding that the Bible is reality and mm -hmm. that, um, and that, you know, you can't, like I always tell them, you can't excavate Narnia, you know, <laughs> yeah. you excavate the Bible yes. and, uh, and so forth. And so, and so I think, I think kids need that. I think kids are hungry for that. I think adults are hungry for that. Honestly. Absolutely. Yes. And, uh, and so, um, this, this, how does the Bible connect to reality? Of course, that's oh. that we need to understand that. Mm -hmm. spiritually in our relationship uh with god through through his word and we also right. can understand that uh how it connects um historically and all the things that is left behind and it is massive um mm. the amount of evidence it, it, it's mm. it's everywhere everywhere mm. wow um and you also have trips right people can come on trips and actually see some of it with you yes <laughs> Yeah. Let's go, so Tina. I, <laughs> Let's go. Maybe, you know, okay, Joel, I recently, maybe, well, not recently, two, three years ago, um, discovered that I'm ethnically Jewish. I did not know that uh -huh. growing up, um, have a Catholic family, extended family, and then um, came to know the Lord as a young adult, and then realized through ancestry.com and, and my name, my maiden name. Um, so yeah, I want to go to Israel, <laughs> but sure. we all should want to go there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, as, as far as, and, and also in talking about, you know, training your kids, yeah, you know, like I'm a, I'm also a professor at a seminary called Shepherd's Theological Seminary in mm. Cary, um, North Carolina. Of course, I'm an adjunct professor because I live over here, <laughs> but they're, they're about to arrive in a couple of days. And, and so I'll be with them oh, taking fine. them around. But, um, but those, you know, everybody says the same thing when they come and they see these places and they travel around to these places. It's like, uh, it's like, uh, you know, as they put it, the seminary students, it's like, it equals, um, you know, it's like seminary on steroids because, oh, yeah. I mean, because you just see it and you take it in and yeah. you're, and you will be overwhelmed. It's like, uh, when you, it's like taking people over here and showing them everything is like turning a fire hose on them, yeah. you know, and just blasting them because you can't help it. Cause they're, they have to oh, take yeah. so much in because like I said, it's everywhere. Yeah. So, you know, and so, um, it really helps, I think anybody, but, um, well, yeah. but I mean, especially, because yeah. even if you break it down, I mean, think of this, right? I mean, history in general, teaching children history in general, it's, let's say you have a history uh, story that you're reading your book and it's hard for them to even understand, like, let's say the civil war era. Cause they don't, yeah. unless they can see visuals of what the clothes look like and the guns and, you know, just what the whole, um, customs were right. So isn't that the same thing as all, all of these, I, you know, the, these truths in the Bible are kind of like these airtight compartments that are separated because we, we don't have the visual or the understanding a lot of times of the culture and without That's the right, culture, yeah. then how is it, how can you fully get that? And like you said, I mean, it's, not that we could ever become masters of it, you know, because could we? No, we can't. So long as we're alive, you know, on the yeah. earth. Yeah. Yeah. Grounds the, it grounds the um, Bible in reality and history. It, uh, it, and, and you know, th there's, there's different ways to do it. You know, some, some groups come into Israel and they're, they're showing things 
like for example, a trained guide will give a different, uh, a di will say different things to a Jewish group than they would to say a Catholic group or a Protestant group. Right. Um, but, um, but, and, and, and things are, you know, sometimes things aren't explained. They're just, uh, this is where this happened. And then they go to the next place. That's where that happened. For me, I really want it to make sense to people's brains. Yeah. I want them to understand what they're looking at and how it's changed over time. And so that is why in my book, I've broken things into layers and, and really, um, you know, as you, as you, as you learn to think biblically and as you learn to think archeologically in layers, and as you, um, then you, you, you begin to, uh, grasp it, I think better. And, uh, so yeah, it is a tremendous experience. It's not, you know, one of the powerful things about, uh, Christianity is that you don't have to make a pilgrimage. <laughs> you don't <laughs> right? have to go see these sites. Uh, you, your relationship with God is just as strong if you do or you don't, but, um, but it can be a great blessing. Yeah. Um, if you get the chance to do it, it's a great blessing to do it. And again, I, I think it's, I, I don't consider a trip to the biblical world. I say the biblical world because I, I show people around Jordan and um, Israel, because there's lots of biblical sites in Jordan as well, like Sodom and Gomorrah, for example. Mm -hmm. But I um, watched part of your video about that one. Yeah. 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 Um, but I don't consider it a vacation. I consider it an investment. It's an investment in, uh, in your family in your kids and whom in yourself, it's, it really is an investment. You will never read the Bible the same, oh my um, after, after a trip where you go around and, and see all these sites. And, and I, I constantly go through that, like, you know, until, uh, until recently I'd never been to, um, Mesopotamia and to those sites up there that I've read about. So it was kind of a, blank up there, you know, I mean, I knew about the sites, but I didn't have the context of where they are and what they look like and all that kind of stuff. So I'm constantly going through that process of going mm -hmm. to new sites and filling in the context there so that I, and then when I, then when I go back and read in the Bible that where it connects to Babylon or Nineveh, it's not the same. It's, it's, uh, I can see it. Wow. About how long is the flight from here to there. <laughs> it's long. <laughs> I'm sure it not is. As, not as long as to New Guinea, but uh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh gosh, probably, you know, once you get say to New York or something, it's probably a 12-hour flight into either Tel Aviv or um Amman. So like this group coming in now in a few days, they'll they arrive in Amman. And then they'll leave out of Tel Aviv. So they'll arrive in Jordan. Um, they'll do, I think it's six days here and then they'll cross over into Israel and then, and then do, I think seven days there, maybe a few more. And then, uh, and then take off from the Tel Aviv airport. Wow. And so families can do this, right? It doesn't just have to be college students. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I've done, I've done many, many groups until the pandemic hit and it shut mm -hmm. that all down. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I've done high school groups. Um, I've done, I've done, um, high school groups where it's, it's, uh, a high school, uh, the, the major, 
um, amount of the people on the trip are high school students. And then they have the chaperones. And then I've had the ones which I actually prefer, which is where um, parents bring their um, high school students. And so you have uh, several high school students, but you also have their parents there as well, or at least one of their parents. Oh, cool. Yeah. And, and that kind of thing. And yeah, church groups, mm-hmm. seminaries. Yeah. It's, it's uh, just yeah, crazy. Yeah, I was really humming there. Um, there was a lot of trips <laughs> going until the pandemic hit. And then then it was uh, two full years um, mm. before I was able to get back into Israel. So I just did a group, um, led a group around, I don't know, a couple months ago, which was my first time back to Israel in two okay. years, which wow. was unheard of. I couldn't <laughs> imagine being away for two years. Right. So anyways. But it's starting um, to pick up again now starting to pick up again. And, uh, and yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't know how international travel will come back if it'll come back real fast or, but again, you know, this, we're not talking about, you know, going to a beach somewhere and hanging out on the beach and drinking pina coladas. We're talking about about (laughs) surfing you guys. Okay. (laughs) And that's, that's another thing is that there's a lot of trips. A lot of trips are really more, they have agendas, you know, they, it's really more about, um, you know, where you're political, where you're politically cited and, and kind of, um, reinforcing where you are or trying to convert you over to, so it's, you know, it's that kind of thing a lot a lot of times, but my trips are their purpose. I avoid politics like the plague and (laughs) it's completely focused on you're here to learn about your Bible. Nice. That's so good. And I mean, you guys, here's the reality, right? Put the books away, book yourself a trip (laughs) 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 hands on, but can you imagine you guys, what, what experience, what lifetime in your lifetime, what you would be able to learn as a family. And like you said, Joel, when you have, you know, the parents come with their kiddos, I just can't imagine. And the beauty is when we talk about learning is life and life is learning. It is not airtight, separate compartments that aren't even tangible. It is growing and learning with your children. I mean, I always say I I've learned history, not from my school. I've learned history through actually my, my own son who loved history and was passionate about history, but we get so focused on the fact that we have to only sit in these little, you know, at desks and try to, you know, create the world. I once heard that teaching from just a textbook is like going on a vacation just through a travel brochure. (laughs) You can't do it. Right. Yeah. And so Joel, do you have any parting thoughts for our listeners? Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's also, you know, of course, uh, it's, it's a great blessing to be able to do something like that. Not everybody can. Um, so that, that was really behind also, um, doing a very visual book and trying to explain things the best I can, because the other problem is, uh, retaining what you learn, even when you come on a trip. Mm. And so that's, that's a big problem because you see so much and Mm. get fire hosed with information. So my, my really what is behind um, doing the books uh, primarily is so that mm-hmm. somebody can go through and read um, this book and, and the ones to come and then That's come cool. and visit those sites and then go home and then reread, yes. uh, you know, uh, again, so that it really um, 
so they can retain it and so that yeah. it sinks in. Yeah, yeah. So it's tangible. Yeah. Oh my yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, moms and dads, we thank you so much for joining us today with Joel Kramer and we'll have all those links in when I say all everybody knows what I'm talking about. Okay. Right. Tina. <laughs> and, um, I hope that you know that you were called for this task as of today. You are the very best model of learning from your children. You always have been and you always will be. Be blessed, friends. Mm-hmm.